important. In addition to your own Bible, you may find it on the backside of your message notes or beginning on page 758 of your worship Bible. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as witness to bear witness about the light, and that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of God. You may be seated. I just had a beautiful time last week with uh, a small group that meets that Greg Boyda leads, and they had a gathering over at Pat and Bud's home and a little Advent celebration. And I sat there just really enjoying a couple of things. One was, and this sounds silly, one was the fact that I had, to, I had nothing to do with this event. I just was showing up. They did ask me to bring my guitar, and I said, okay, I'll bring it and play one song for you. But I didn't have to do anything. And here were these people, part of our church family, who on their own had scheduled a get-together with their small group to remember the Christmas season. And uh, Greg did a great job of preparing an Advent devotional, and they were sharing together. And it's just a beautiful evening at Pat and Bud's home. And I just thought, what a joy it is to be part of such a great church family. I'm so proud of you all. I was proud of this group in particular. And I'm just really thankful to see the way that God has been creating a community out of us even as we began at such a very small gathering a few years ago. And now here we are uh, serving this community in a great, great way. Well, if you've been to our home in the last week or so, and especially last Sunday night, we had a great time together as we uh, had chili dinner and supper over at our home before the Christmas pageant. You would have noticed something unique about our home. Does anybody know what it is? There are light bags everywhere around our house. Luminaria. Are you familiar with Luminaria? If you're not from this area, maybe you don't know about this southwestern tradition, which probably began in Mexico and moved its way up into New Mexico, and now represents a lot of southwestern-style homes, where every year now, for probably, I would, since 1991, how many years is that? That's a long time, um, 26 or 7 years, uh, every year I've put out well, I may have missed a year, but I don't think so, put out luminaria bags. You know, in the old days, when I was a kid, we would go to Moon Valley near where you live, right? And we would put luminaria bags on Christmas Eve. You put dirt in the bottom of a, of a brown paper bag and a little um, a votive candle, and you light all the way around. You turn your lights off as you drive through, and this beautiful, do you remember doing, do you, do they, do, they still do it. I is that right? Yeah. And so it's got a lot of great memories for me, this idea of these Christmas lights are very dim. You turn your lights down, and it kind of shows you the way to get from one place to the next. And so if you were to go on Military Road anytime, you can find our house very easily because we have, I don't know, 250 probably or more light bags out, out there, but they're not, don't worry, they're not with real, real candles in them. They're electric, right? And so the first year that we had our very first home, the very first Christmas, 
we went out and bought two sets of those Luminaria bags. They're about 30 feet long or yeah, 30 feet long, about long enough for our drive. We would put one down each side of our driveway, and it began a Christmas tradition, which we've extended all the way until now. And every year, because these were kind of expensive, we would buy one new bag, one new bag. And after 25 years, well, there's a lot of lights now, and we've got a house big enough to handle all of that. And we put lights are an important part of Christmas, aren't they? It's just a beautiful part of the Christmas. Somehow light and Christmas go together. I remember, and perhaps you remember as a kid, getting into the car or with your kids, getting in the car to go, uh, go and drive around and do what? Look at all the Christmas lights. You, any of you guys have that? There, yeah, thank you, Steve. I'm glad there are a few of you guys who honor that Christmas tradition. And some of you pay actual real money to go in and look at someone else's lights. I don't know why you would do that, but you do it. Um, and, uh, 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 and, and, and the lights are an important part of the Christmas. Lights we light candles at Advent time, and on Monday, as we had an Advent meeting together with that small group, we lit candles on that day. We put lights on our trees. We put lights on our homes. Lights are an important part of the Christmas season, and they should be, because light is at the core of what Jesus came to do. We are looking at the Gospel of John during the course of this Christmas season because we know all about the facts of the events of the Christmas story. We've told those many, many times. But we're trying to think, as John helps us think, about the meaning behind the Christmas story. What was it all about? And so we're looking carefully at this first chapter of John to learn important things about the meaning of why Jesus, who Jesus was, why he came, and why it's important that we remember Remember him. And so we began last week, and this week we're continuing. And in the text, which, which, which Pat just read for you, seven times the word light is used. Did you pick it up? The light in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He, that is John, was not, uh, he came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not that light, but came, witness, came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Seven times the word light shows up here in the prologue to the Gospel of John. And as you read through the whole Gospel of John, you see that this whole theme of light and darkness is very important to the Gospel writer. He wants to see that Jesus came to bring light into a dark world and that, sadly, that dark world often did not want to receive the light Jesus came to provide. So the idea of light is very strong in the book of John. John 3, 19 this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. John 8, 12, famous verse, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the, the light of life. John 12, 35, in the section where he begins to talk about his death, he moves into, right, straight into the, the passion narrative after this. Just says, Jesus said, to them, John 12, 35, the, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, for darkness may overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. And a few verses later, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me 
may not remain in darkness. So in the moments that we have here today, let's just reflect about this whole idea of light. What is John trying to say to us about light and how it is that Jesus brings it? And so let's just take a look at simple, under a few simple headings. The world needs light. Jesus is the world's light, and we must receive the light. Not very complicated. The world needs light. That's the problem with the world. Jesus is the world's true light. That's the solution for the problem of the world's darkness. The question, though, is what will we do with that light? Will we receive it or will we reject it? Do we, do we, will we cling to our dark ways or letting go of them allow his ways to become to be our light in this world? So let's take a look at this very simply together, uh, these three ideas. First of all, the problem, the world needs light. For we are in the dark. There is, as you see in the ninth, let me get my text out here again. In the ninth verse, that Jesus was the true light, it says. He was the true light which comes into the world. And in verse 4, it says, he is the light of, uh, of mankind, of humanity. Jesus is the one who brings light to the, uh, to the world. You see, uh, there is something that teaches us that, that the world needs to have light. And yet our relationship with the world, excuse me, with the light is very fraught. Because when the light came into the world, it says in this text, by and large, the world rejected the light. They preferred the darkness to the light. The Bible says here in the fifth verse that the, the, uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And even as Pat read that text before you, you know, might have noted the word is not always, there's different ways to translate that word, overcome. It's one of those multifaceted words which has a, a variety of meanings, both of which I think affect our understanding of the word of darkness. The darkness, uh, the, the darkness can, has not comprehended. It doesn't understand it. It can't receive it. It can't fit it into its mind. It can't comprehend it. But also, the darkness cannot overcome it. Comprehending and overcoming are two different ideas of the same word. The word can be translated both ways. Um, in fact, when I me memorized this as a young child uh, in John chapter 1, which incidentally is uh, one of the most, the very first passage of Scripture I ever read with my own reading eyes when I was a young child, my grandmother gave to me a, a New Testament, which I still have today with, lar with large letters in it, which I find particularly comforting as my <laughs> eyes have aged, right? And I opened it up to the first, to John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Uh, he was in the all things were made by him, and without him was not was nothing made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. So sometimes the idea of darkness is I can't comprehend it, but more recently I cannot overcome it. Think of the word the word master as in, for instance of what this word is teaching. The word master has a variety of meanings. We might say I have mastered something, like I've mastered uh, the Spanish language, or I've mastered the guitar, or I've mastered how to read. I've mastered these things. I've, I, 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 you know, I, I, or I've mastered my fears. I, you know, I've overcome 
the, my, my fears. Or I can master a subject by trying to understand it. See, the Word has both of those ideas. There is a light that we need, but we're both hostile to it. We want to overcome it, and we're also clueless about it. In fact, light, if you, we all want light, but how many of you have been blinded by light? You'll walk into, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't handle all of that light. The Bible teaches us that the world is, there's a darkness in the world, and that we can't make it light. Now, darkness can mean sometimes evil and suffering. Dark times, we say. You know, Herod killed the babies at Christmas time. They're refugees. The Christmas story is a story of refugees and of, of violence and of injustice and of bloodshed and of sorrow and of bereavements and displacement. It was, well, the Christmas story has parallel to today, doesn't it? Darkness can mean evil and suffering, but it can also mean ignorance. In a dark room, I stumble because I cannot see well. See, there is darkness in the world. There is evil in the world. There is hard times in the world. And in the midst of that darkness, we often stumble our way through, bumping into things, harming ourselves and harming others. There's a darkness in the world. And so this gives to us a clue to the meaning of Christmas. The Bible wants us to know that despite the fact that God created this as a beautiful world, and that God said, let there be light, and the darkness was overcome, that when humanity turned their backs on God, darkness came into the world. The world has a darkness to it, and the Christmas story is a story ultimately to bring light into a dark world. I need light to lighten the dark places. In fact, the, the typical reading at the beginning of the Christmas story comes from Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon them has the light shined. And a few verses later, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That Jesus comes to bring light into darkness. So the first thing we need to realize about the Christmas story is it came to fix a very real problem. There is a darkness in the human hearts, in the human heart. And as a result, there is darkness in the human culture, and that there is a sense of rebellion that we have. We want light, but only on our own terms, for our own ends, to accomplish our own ideas. There is a darkness in the world. There is evil in the world, but there is also this kind of ignorance. I can't fix this problem of darkness. We can't fix it ourselves. This seems to be countercultural to our culture counterintuitive to our culture. Many of us have grown up with this idea of the myth of progress, that whatever's bad, we'll somehow fix it. Technologically, we'll fix it. Educationally, we'll fix it. Politically, we'll fix it. Or, uh, uh, you know, uh, somehow, we'll fix it all. And the Bible teaches that there is a darkness in the world which cannot be fixed by human ingenuity. The world has a darkness, and that is the problem with the world. We are in a dark place. Now, look at this text again. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not over, overcome it. The true light, which is light in everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and yet he was in the world. The world did not know him. The world has a darkness to it. But the second thing we want to see in this text is that Jesus 
is the world's true light. Jesus is the world's true light. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Verse 9, that was the true light, which enlightens everyone as it comes into the world. Jesus is the world's true light. As he says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus comes to to remake this world according to the original designs of God. If you remember the Bible story, God made this world as a, a beautiful place of harmony between God and humanity, that heaven and earth were meant to be uh, complementarian, put together in dynamic unity that God had made this beautiful earth and put humanity in the middle of it and said to, care for my, said to them, care for my creation. We are made in the image of God, which means that we are an image which reflects God's image to the world and which reflects the world back into God, the praises to God. And we are made in that image. But humanity, as you know, turned its back on God and was cast out of the garden. And so harmony, which was supposed to be in the world, was fractured. And so like a broken mirror, we have the vestiges of the image of God, but it's all marred. It's all cracked. It's darkened, the Bible says. And so we've been darkened by that. So we have, a, we have a, 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 the capacity to understand love because we're made in the image of God, but it's been turned around to the love instead of being selflessly giving to others for their needs. Love becomes selfishly getting, getting others to you meet my needs. I want you because you make me feel good. And if you don't, then go away. I'll find somebody else. See, we've mis- misunderstood love for it. So there's a darkness in the world. And so the Bible says that God began then to call Abraham and then, then Moses and set up his covenant and set up himself. And the people of Israel were meant to be a light to the nations. But the light was also uh, harmed by the, uh, by the evil within the human hearts of people. And so ultimately, the glory of God left the people of Israel until there was that promise from Isaiah chapter 9 that one day the people who were walking in darkness would see a great light. And so we find that in the Christmas story, we have the coming of Jesus, who is the light of the world. And when he was born, there were angels whose glory was so bright in the face of those shepherds that they were sore afraid, terrified in the midst of, because of the glory, the glorious light to those angels. And then there appeared also in the sky a star, a bright star in the east that, that communicated God's love even way outside the boundaries of the people of Israel, all the way to those pagans on the other side of the world, those magi who came and brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh because we have seen his star in the east, they said and have come to worship him. The light came into the world. Jesus is the world's true light. But you know, of course, how the story unfolds in the gospel, uh, in the gospel of John. The Bible teaches us that though Jesus came to bring the light, and John begins to uh, teach it as he goes takes us through the story, people were rejecting Jesus Christ. You see, there were people all the way through the Gospel of John, each of whom had to make an individual decision about Jesus. The first one to come in was a very religious man 
named Nicodemus, to whom Jesus said, you must be born again. And he said, I don't understand this. Nicodemus came to him at night, the Bible says. And it's in John 3 where Jesus says, where it says, the light has come into the world, but men have loved darkness rather than light. And then there was a woman who stood by a well who had a very difficult life of disobedience and a rejection in her life. And he said to her, I am the living water which comes to bring, to bring, uh, to assuage the thirst in the human soul. And then there is in the fifth chapter, a man who's sitting beside a pool because he hopes to get a miracle out of the pool, but he really has become enslaved to his sickness, and he has excuses for his behavior, and the Lord asks him that question, do you want to be well? Which he says, it's not my fault, I'm sick. He didn't answer the question. The Lord made him well. You see, and Jesus then in the sixth chapter goes and he, he, he uh, brings to them uh, bread in the wilderness, and he says, I am the bread of life. And they began to follow him, and they said to him, he said, you're only following me because you got a free meal. You don't want what it is that I really want to give to you. It is myself. I am the new Moses who brings to you bread in the wilderness, as Moses did through the, through the, the manna which, which God gave to them in the wilderness, all the way through. And then we find in the eighth chapter, uh, uh, when a woman is brought into the directly into the place of Jesus uh, while he was teaching, a woman who had been wrapped out of another, grabbed out of another man's arm and stands before them disheveled and fearing for her life when the religious people wanted to stone her for her disobedience. He said to which of you, whoever is without sin, you cast the first stone. And then beginning with the oldest who had the longest list of sins, as you well know, they began to walk away. Well, ultimately, he said to the woman, Woman, where are your accusers? They're all gone away. Neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you either, he says. Go and sin no more. And then there was a man in the ninth chapter who had been born blind and had been, had, had, was born as a blind man. The disciples saw him merely as a theological question. Master, who sinned that this man was born blind, him or his parents, reflecting the wisdom of the day that whenever you got sick, it was your fault or someone else's? Jesus says neither of them sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be glorified in him. And he comes and he heals the man, and uh-oh, it was done on the Sabbath day. And so there was controversy that day. When they saw that man, they said, how did you get healed? He said, I don't know. This guy came and healed me, you know. He told me to do it, and so I did. He said, he must not have been a man of God because he did it on the Sabbath day. And the man said, I don't know. <laughs> it seems to me like this is the kind of thing God might do. Uh, and all I know is that once I was blind, now I can see the light of the world. Jesus comes to bring light. He is the world's true Light. He is the one who ultimately gave his life. And then as we come into the 13th chapter, and we have that beautiful and painful scene when Jesus gathers with his disciples on the night before he was crucified, and then he ultimately identifies Judas as the one who would betray him. This happens after Jesus had bared, uh, uh, humbled himself before the disciples and washed their feet. And said to them, what you have seen me do, so you must do for others. And then he said to them, one of you is going to betray me. 
And as it turns out, as we see, it was Judas. In the last verse, the last words of the 13th chapter, when Judas go, goes out of the place of the disciples, of the group of disciples, to begin the process of betraying Jesus, John says these very poignant words. You can look at them if you want. And it was night. This beautiful image of night and darkness, which had begun the Gospel of John, now then finds the full blackness coming in when Judas goes out to betray the very one who had come to bring light into the world. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not want to see it. And so, of course, as you know, Jesus walks up into that cross and dies on that tree. And John doesn't tell us this, but uh, Mark does, and other gospel writers tell us that the world grew black, black and dark, because night had come ultimate into this world. But as you know, three days later in the 20th chapter, we realize that Mary went in early in the morning to find Jesus on Easter Sunday morning, thinking to find a dead Jesus but she found a living Savior. She thought he was the gardener in the garden, and yet he was truly alive. And so, therefore, she began to go tell the disciples about the living Jesus. Uh, um, uh, Peter and John came. Others came that night. Jesus shows up into their darkened room and brings the light of his presence. And then a week later, he shows up with Thomas in the midst of them, and he shows them his hands and his sides. Don't be disbelieving, but believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, which is a looking forward to the fact that so many people who believe in the resurrected Jesus, like you and me, never got a chance to see him personally, but we believe in him. And then on the, on the, in the final chapter of that, of, that, uh, uh, of that book, we find that Peter and John are going fishing. Peter and seven or so disciples are going fishing, and it says, and Jesus was there in the morning. New light came in through Jesus. Jesus conquered death through his resurrection. Con light tried to destroy darkness, but darkness could not conquer light. Jesus, who is the light of the world, was raised from the dead, and new creation began to happen that day on Easter Sunday morning. So John, who starts his story with comments about light and about darkness, now continues by carrying that theme of light and darkness to the point when darkness appeared to have won until Easter Sunday morning, and then weeks after that, when darkness was no more because Jesus was raised from the dead. And whereas the garden had been a place in the Genesis story where evil had triumphed over good when the, when the tempter tempted Eve and Adam to disobey God, the garden now becomes a place where good triumphs over evil, where light triumphs over darkness, where pain and suffering are triumphed over by, by, by resurrection and new life, and light comes into the world. See, the solution to the world's darkness is not simply found with education, although we should certainly educate people. We certainly should take care of this world as best we can. But the ultimate solution, the ultimate problems of our world are not found out there. They're found in here. And Jesus came to bring new life and new light right into here as we respond to him. 
And so let's take a look then finally as we close our time together at, this, at, at, the, at the last portion of this when we look at the solution or the, the question which we have, what will I do with the light? Now, John is writing this prologue, and at one point we're seeing it just as purely, you know, instructional. The world, um, John came as a witness of the light, verse 7, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. He lets us know right away the light comes in, but it is by and large rejected by those to whom he came. And yet he finishes with these magnificent words, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The question we need to respond as we think about this text together is if we understand that the world has darkness in it, and if we understand that Jesus is the light of the world, each of us may have a, may, must have an individual response to that light. We have to choose what we will do with that light. And as I already mentioned, John goes through this whole gamut of individual personal interviews that Jesus had with people. A devoutly religious man to whom he said, you must be born again. You must believe in the Son of God and you will have eternal life. And on the other, at the other extreme, a profoundly uh, uh, confused and, and I think abused woman who had seven husbands and was living a, a, a life of, of fear. He says to her, I'm giving you living water. She had to respond to that. And she did. She went and told her friends, and they all felt they responded as well. And to the man by the pool, and to the people who were being fed in the wilderness, and to the woman caught in adultery, and to the man, and to the man uh, who had been born blind, each of these people need to be, needed to respond to Jesus. And so John then closes his gospel in the 20th and 21st chapters of John. I could have written many things about Jesus Christ, but these have been written so that you may believe in him, and that believing you might have life in his name. John had a very evangelistic purpose in mind. He wasn't just trying to give us information about why Jesus came. He was trying to challenge us to not be people of darkness, but to be people of light that we would believe in him. As it says in that first chapter, he came that all, verse 7, that all might believe through him. So there's two responses generally that we see in this text. It says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. We can reject the light. We can hold their necks to us. We can say, yeah, I understand that, but it doesn't affect me personally. If we do that, we continue to remain in darkness, and in fact, our darkness has only increased because we have been willfully ignorant of it. That's why John, Jesus says in John 3, 19, and this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Those are hard words for me because I know that there are times in my life when I love darkness rather than light. And if you are really honest, I think you will admit the same. 
There are times when you're making decisions in your life that you just know are not the decisions of light. But at the moment, you say to yourself, perhaps, I'll worry about that later, right? I can always come back to Jesus. But in fact, we must, we must be uh, sure not to reject the light. I hope you don't do that. I don't think you want to. That's why you're here. But we see that also in the 12th verse, it says that there were those who did receive him, who believed in him, that this gave to them the right to become children of God. What do we do? We respond in faith to Jesus Christ. We believe in him. We trust in him. Or in the famous verse, most, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, that Jesus himself said in John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you've never responded in faith to the light of Jesus Christ, do so today. Jesus came to bring light he came to bring light into the darkness that is in our world's world and the darkness that is in our hearts. I implore you, respond in faith to the light of Jesus. Become his child. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his purpose. Receive his hope. Be one of the many thousand points of light in the world. Because Jesus who said, I am the light of the world, said to his followers, now you go be the light of the world. Let's have prayer while we close. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to thank you that you didn't leave us in our darkened state, that you came and actually um, participated in our own humanity. Thank you for um, the life and the light that you brought. I pray that you would help us to respond in faith to you, for you are the world's true light. Break into the crevices and the darkness of our life. Help us to respond in faith to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.